We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Virginia. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. Welcome back to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian today for an off-season episode. BG, we are really starting to hit the uh, the dead period of the NBA off-season. How's it going for you, and how do you spend these like next six to eight weeks when there's no basketball? Oh, well, I'm still... First off, Richie, thank you for that introduction. And yes, it is nice to have a little bit of downtime, but I'm spending my time still watching a lot of basketball. Uh, I'm getting ready to scout guys that are transferring into the ACC in 2023 draft guys. So I am in the middle of doing a deep dive on Creighton, who's got some returners for the 2023 draft. So I, I watched a couple of Creighton games this week, and I'm in like at halftime of Creighton Marquette from the 2022 Big East tournament. So I'm still going through. I'm getting ready for the draft a year ahead of schedule here. <laughs> yeah, you need to give yourself a break sometimes. But uh, true, we, we have an awesome guest today, uh, Chris McLean. Chris hosts the Mac Attack on WFNZ, which can be found Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 92.7 FM. Mac, how's everything going with you? What's up, fellas? I feel very, very upset that I did not do my homework. I did not realize I need to hit up Marquette and Creighton. I did not do that, Brian. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> All good. It's all it's all good. Look, I got you covered here. All right. But next time you come back, you're going to we're going to need we're, the expectations are going to be a little bit higher. Right? Now I know what's expected of me. All right. I'm going to deliver next time. <laughs> Mac, I don't mean to age you by any means, but how long have you been doing the uh, the Mac attack? Shoot. I, well, it started when it was Penner and Mac show with Sandy Penny in the middays. That was just over 18 years ago that I got to the station and got to Charlotte um, you guys probably know how it works at, like in, in the media business, the radio business. I had never been in a place longer than three years in radio. So yeah. I was wanting to be in Charlotte. I love the city and I wanted to be here a long time, but you're never thinking you're going to be here this freaking long. <laughs> I think it's like 11 years ago. We got moved to the mornings, uh, working with T-Bone. We love it, man. So we have a blast. And you both have been at different times, esteemed guests, especially Brian, when we need Creighton Marquette breakdown. You know, <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I'm here. I'm here. Anytime, anytime you need uh, big East coverage. I got you. 
All right, here's what we're going to do, Mac. We're going to uh, reflect on the offseason here and kind of push forward to kind of projecting where the Hornets are going to be next year. But the first thing I want to ask you uh, when it comes to reflecting on James Borrego's firing, whether it was in the moment or whether it is now, like how have your overall thoughts on that whole situation been? First of all, I'm glad somebody wants to know my answer to this question because I have obsessed over his firing so much. Like every step of the offseason – I've gone back to the fact that is this more proof that maybe we shouldn't have fired JB? So I'm and, and people, you know, the infamous FNZ text line will tell me, oh, you get over it, get over it. No one wants to hear about that. So I'm glad you guys actually want to hear about it. It still bothers me. And now that you asked me this question, it's been a few weeks since I've answered. I still, I don't know. We don't know the inner workings, obviously, right? And we don't know exactly, you know, what's going on. The Hornets haven't exactly been ones to leak a lot about it from their side. Obviously, Borrego hasn't, you know, at, at all. So I feel like we kind of have limited knowledge. Like, for example, Charlotte FC locally, you know, the MLS team. When all the leaks out there, I feel like we pretty much got the story of what was going on, that it was getting pretty nasty between the coach and the players. I never got that feeling with JB. Maybe they feel like they need someone, a more veteran coach, that's going to be a little more stern with them. I don't know if that's what they're looking for. I just – like the track that we were on. I didn't like what happened in the two playing games, obviously. And maybe it just comes down to that, you know, but like, I kind of liked the track that we were on. It was a slow build, but they were fun to watch. 43 wins is nothing to sneeze at, especially with our franchise. Unfortunately, we got to be real, you know, with who we are. I just think we got caught up in an Eastern conference that was so ridiculously deep. I'm still in shock that we're here based on how the East has been years prior and I just – I kind of hate that it's happened. And I'm not saying everything was perfect, but, man, I would have liked to see him get another year. But I can hear voices screaming at me to let it go right now. I hear Elsa singing to me to let it go right now, you know? <laughs> no, I, I tend to agree with the idea that it's probably something to do with a veteran head coach coming in and, and, and changing that voice up in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, there was not a lot when it came to the firing of Borrego, which was interesting because nine months prior, they had just given him an extension, which is kind of odd. Um, Another aspect. too, yeah. yeah. So thinking about the hiring process of Steve Clifford, his name wasn't even in the initial search. And that whole process that went down with uh, narrowing down the candidates to D'Antoni and Atkinson and Atkinson was hired and then he was backed out. Like what, what, what do you make of that situation? how they landed on Steve Clifford, even though he wasn't in the initial search. Yeah, that didn't help me get past, as you can see, that didn't help me get past the Borrego thing, right? Because it's like, oh, we land back at the guy that we let go in order to bring in Borrego. I was just listening, I'm sure y'all listened to it too, Cliff's interview on the Woj podcast. And he kind of confirmed what I, I thought, you know, his story was that, you know, he definitely was, didn't hear anything until that second go round. I think he's, I think it was like two days after Atkinson that he got the call from Mitch and it, up until that point, I think he was probably, you know, he interviewed for Sacramento, didn't get that. But I think his thought process was clearly, oh, there's no way I'm going back there five years later. You know, like, I just don't think he ever, you know, thought it was possible. Kind of like an ex that you never thought would want you back and all of a sudden she's hit you up or something. You're like, well, what the heck? So I do think he was taken aback a little bit. The one thing I do want to say is, and I, I'm sure you guys agree, like Cliff is a solid basketball coach, a good basketball coach. He's going to improve the defense. Um, I love talking ball with him. I learn something all the time. Like he's great with the media. There, there's a lot of things I like about Cliff, 
But Richie, you hit on the thing with me. It's like you went through this whole list, right? And you narrow it down and the Atkinson thing freaking happens. And it's like, you then choose to just kind of go back to your ex. It just, you know what I mean? You don't start, you don't go to any of the other finalists. Antonio doesn't get a call. It's just, it's just hard to process how you got from this thorough search that Clifford was not even consideration to, okay, well, this guy shot us down. Well, let's get back together with Cliff. It's just, that's the whole thing. I've had a hard time, you know, marrying, you know? Yeah, and do you think that even if Clifford turns out to be the guy, like for what the team needs right now, do you think that the media or others were just going to criticize or ridicule the process that really is going to overshadow anything that Clifford can do with this team, you think? I mean, if he gets results and can improve the team, and obviously now that's in flux due to what's going on with Bridges and and, and, and the, the kind of pause that we're in right now, it feels like. But, like, I feel like if he gets results and improves the team, I think he will definitely get his due nationally. I, there, There's no doubt. You, you know what it turns into, fellas? You guys know what it turns into. Like, when the Hornets do something that looks goofy, and this definitely looked goofy, as much as I love them, I, I can't help to describe it any other way. The national media just goes to the MJ talking points, right? MJ as an owner. So I feel like they love bagging on him as an owner. I guess it's because they never got to say a damn bad word about him as a player. So it's like they want to get it out of their system. And I'm not saying MJ, I'm not on here to say MJ doesn't deserve to be clowned for a lot of things, but it just feels like it's easy and convenient for the national media to, oh, look at this ridiculous process. Let's jump on Jordan. So that's who I think they're looking at. I almost feel like if the Clifford thing looks shaky, then you coupled in with the way it went down. Then you coupled in with their urge to want to pile on MJ. Like, there's definitely a burden here on Cliff and company to kind of, you know, alleviate that sort of negative talk, I think. Yeah, you get a lot of the, like, uh, oh, the Hornets are King's East commentary. Oh, and yeah. that's, you know, never never a position you, you probably would like to be in covering a team or being a fan of a team or or being a part of the organization, what have you. Um, that was why, like, the, the addition of LaMelo for, was so refreshing in a lot of ways was because my thought was, okay, well, the conversation has to shift. Like, in, And so you saw this slow build the last couple of years, the Hornets becoming a – a league pass team, uh, fun locally, but a team that people were tuning into outside of the, the Charlotte and the North Carolina markets, which was, and so it was just, it was, it was fun because again, the conversation sort of shifted and then, uh, you know, the hiring, uh, the, the, the failure with Kenny Atkinson and, and look like we can perhaps place blame in a couple of different areas, uh, with regards to that. But, um, I agree with you on cliff. Like he's a lifer. He's a solid coach. Um, he knows a, a lot about basketball, um, and I think he has the ability to help some of the like very obvious weaknesses yeah, that uh, Charlotte has as a, as a franchise right now. One of those aspects that is something we've discussed, I f- it feels like every offseason for probably four or five years now has been the Hornets trying to figure out what to do at the center position. Like, even back to the time of when they had Cody Zeller, and and I, I, I was a Cody Zeller fan, but I think everyone sort of felt, or at least parts of the fan base felt, like they needed to address, they needed to get, uh, you know, a bigger vertical threat at center, more rim protection at center, and so um, they draft Mark Williams. And, and look, I don't, I don't really love the start to finish what Charlotte did the night of the draft necessarily, but I do like Mark Williams a lot as a prospect. And for years, the Hornets have, have you know been searching or needing a you know competent two way five. 
Um, and they're hoping that with Mark Williams, he can provide that sooner rather than later. I guess, you know, someone I'm sure you saw Mark play at, at Duke. Yeah. You know, how much trust do you have in Williams becoming a starting center? And what type of minutes and role do you see for him uh, in year one uh, with Steve Clifford also uh, showing up uh, in, back in the Queen City? Man, I really hope that – I hope he can get regular minutes and just be that backup five right away. I hope he gets the opportunity to do that. Solid minutes. I think he should be. I know there's a paranoia after seeing, you know, what happened with the young guys last year that, that it could happen again. Um I just I don't think there's a comparison between Mark Williams and where he's at coming into the league and Kai Jones. Like Kai Jones, that that's just sushi raw, man. There's no doubt about it. You see when you watch him in the summer league, there are flashes and then it's like, has this guy played hoops before the next time down? You know? With Mark Williams, I just feel like there's a role he can play, and I think he can do that in the backup spot right away. I I'm with you. I really like him. I think he can be the pick and roll lob finisher that fits with a mellow. I, you definitely have seen, you know, if you watch Duke play, you've seen the rim protection ability. I think there's a nice little mid-range, you know, kind of jumper there, and maybe you can extend it just a little bit. I just – I think he's the type of big that we need long-term. My whole question, and I, I'm sure you guys got opinions about this. You probably already have it on the docket, you know, for, for discussion. But, like, my whole question is, are we just going to try to roll with Miles – and or Mason, I'm screwing up my plumbies. Mason and you know Mark, are or are we going to try to shake it up? And I'll be the one to bring it up for the five zillion time, Miles Turner or something. Like, are we going to try oh, yeah. to get it? <laughs> you knew it was coming. Are we going to try to get another starting big, or or is it just you know the last year for Mason and he teams up with? Because I'm kind of still hungry for another starting, another veteran big. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It just, it, it's like, it's such an interesting hypothetical it has been, especially the last couple of years for Charlotte, because it feels like, 
they're walking the line between trying to make the playoffs, you know, make the play in and, and try to get into the playoffs versus a team that's, that's also still trying to sort of like build young pieces around LaMelo. And it, it's felt like they've been wearing two different shoes at the same time. And like at some point, you know, you kind of expect them to, to, to try to pick a lane. I mean, I, I have my thoughts on what I think is like best long-term for the, for the franchise. Um, in, in sort of like what the, the direction it seems like they're heading in, especially bringing Steve Clifford back in. Plumlee is such like a, a he's such a like he makes so much sense, I guess, in this regard as like a placeholder of sorts. You know what I mean? To see if he can hold the fort down for one more season with with Mark Williams. But like, yeah, you you have a chance to add a guy like you know maybe a guy like Miles Turner who's not going to give you the rim running component necessarily, but no. but can protect the rim and can play pick and pop. To with Lamelo like that, that could open up the offense for some of the other guys. Like, and, and again, you know, you could probably build a competent defense around Steve Clifford's principles and, and Miles Turner's, uh, you know, defense in the pick yeah. and roll and, and at the rim. So, I think it's I like you know, and I guess they're a team that things with things with like DeAndre Ayton and Phoenix and Indiana got really really kind of strange this off season, but. I mean, Charlotte's a team that probably could have been in the market as like a sign and trade option with DeAndre Ayton. I know that gets a little tough because of the restricted free agency, but that's something that I suppose they could have have thrown their hat in. So, like, my guess is that they're probably not. They, my guess is they they'd like yeah. to add one more veteran center to this roster, but it's sort of tough to look out and see like who that is. Like, you know, Christian Wood, he's set up now in, in Dallas. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's back in Phoenix. So, like, I I guess it's Turner. But, um, yeah, the, the the trade market for Turner also seemed, like, very tepid this offseason. So, maybe this is not a bad time to trade. Maybe you can get Miles Turner for, a, the, like, a less of a package than you could have 18 months ago or two years ago. Richie, do you have any thoughts on on sort of, like, the center rotation as far as next season goes? I think they'll probably just ride it out, as kind of Mac was alluding to in the beginning. But uh, it ju- it just seems like they have been linked to Turner forever. And I do think if the the Pacers had somehow acquired Aiden, I think this conversation would be a little bit more pertinent because Turner could be right, a little right. bit more available. Uh, but maybe his value has dropped a little bit because we have to remember that he is a free agent next offseason. So you're basically trading for a one-year rental. But I, I do think, you know, Miles Turner and Mark Williams as that one-two center punch that's going to provide a ton of back-end rim protection. I think that's awesome in terms of the the mode that Clifford's trying to go with. I don't think the pairing with LaMelo is all that great. Uh, he's not a lop threat. He, I really can't really pinpoint like one thing on offense that he's just awesome at. You know, He does a lot of little things. And I guess one thing I do want to mention when it comes to Turner other than the fact that he's a free agent next offseason, he's only played in 151 games over the past three seasons. That's actually only six more than Gordon Hayward. So everyone talks about <laughs> Gordon Hayward's health and how he on the court. Only six more games than Hayward over the past three seasons. So that's, that's hard to believe. You don't want to be that close to the Hayward line when it comes to health. You did not. That is not a <laughs> yeah. good line to yeah. be close to. Here's the thing, though, fellas, and I guess I get the merits of either school of thought. You know, trying to make a move like that for just one year or just trying to ride Plumlee out and see where Williams comes to. But here's the thing, and Brian was touching on it. Here's the thing that I'm having a hard time with. And then the Bridges thing throws throws this even more for a loop. But, like, you were touching on it, Brian, like the fine line they've been walking here, right? And you've even heard Mitch talk about it. Like, 
wanting to make the playoffs in one breath, but then he's also said, hey, we don't want to get too aggressive and try to make that big move before it's too soon, right? And hurt yourself down the road. Well, then when they fire Borrego after a 43-win season, right, when they improve themselves by 10 wins each of the last two seasons and 17% winning percentage, because I know the game's totals were different. But then all of a sudden when 43 wasn't good enough, like I thought that should have been good enough based on the way he was describing it, right? 43 wins in just about every other year gets you what? Seventh seed, sixth seed, maybe. You know what I mean? Something like that. So – I don't know. I, and again, here I am back to Bragg. I told you, man, I've got I've got some sort of fixation. I've got a problem that I need to speak to a therapist on here. But like, you know what I'm saying, y'all? Like when they did that with Borrego, then I then I kind of feel like, okay, well, if that now we've got to improve from 43 wins. But now even that thought process is thrown off by the uncertainty with the Bridges situation. I guess, they're, right? They're, like they're just they're. I don't see them winning more than that. Like I think they're a, like right now as the roster is currently constituted, like I, I think they're in the lottery again. You know what I mean? I don't even know if they're, a, if they're definitely a playing team. The thing that's disappointing about Borrego, it's like, look, in, or at least for me, speaking for myself, like as someone outside the organization, I don't know what, I don't know what things were like in the locker room. I don't know if people, if guys were tuning him out, the relationship with LaMelo, at least, in the public facing aspect of it seemed good, but you know, you can only know so much that you're getting through like what's, uh, what's being distributed to you. The, um, the, the, the thing that like bothers me a little bit about it is a, like this sort of like dissonance we're talking between, are you trying to win now? Are you trying to build around LaMelo? Like what's, what's just, what's the plan? What's the, what's the arc you're on? And then also like, if James Borrego, if they beat Atlanta and then lose to Cleveland in the next playing game, is he still back as coach? If they lose to Atlanta by one point, is he still back as coach? Yeah. If they win the play-in and then get blasted by <laughs> Miami in the first round, is James like like what you know what I mean? So that that's the thing where I, I just I scratch my head because it's like is 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 your coach your guy or is 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 he not your guy? And it shouldn't really depend on the result of like one game Correct. it shouldn't just been on the result of probably a yeah. couple of games yeah. i know that's often like what happens these decisions come down to you know reactionary decisions and basing things off of things that aren't always like you know fully you know holistic or whatever taking the big picture that's tough and i would also say richie you brought up the extension that he signed last september that would seem to indicate that he's your guy you know what i mean and then you then this happens and it just throws everything uh, uh for a loop um Looking at the roster, and let's just assume that for the most part, Charlotte's got its guys in place, including the three guys they selected inside the top 40 of the 2021 draft. James Booknight in the lottery, Kai Jones late first round, JT Thor early second round. We saw bits and pieces of Booknight and Thor last season, some good, some less good. Kai obviously spent a lot of time with the Swarm. Um, and then we saw a fair amount of JT Thor and Kai Jones out this summer uh, in Vegas playing with the Hornets summer league roster. Unfortunately, no James book night, not asking for a breakout candidate prediction on your part, because that's, that's hard to do. But I guess I would just, Mac, I just ask you, which of those three guys are you most excited for, or maybe even expecting the most out of this season between book night, Kai and uh, and JT Thor's they head into their second year in the league. I listen. I'm still trying to stay on board long term with Kai Jones. 
You know, because I, I still see the flashes, him running the floor, him grabbing a rebound and then pushing a fast. Like, I still see things that are special at his size. I just, you know, I'm trying to figure out, and he is too, I think, where he fits, you know, what his role is. For next year, it would be book night. And there's some danger there in that because there were a lot of whispers from what I was hearing. Y'all probably hearing the same thing last year. Heck, you saw it play out right there on the bench with him and Borrego. There were a lot of whispers about maturity and lack thereof, you know, and just kind of – being unhappy about minutes and not necessarily being the best teammate. And so I don't love that stuff, but I still just like his offensive game. And I would love to see them find a place for him. I don't know if it ends up with them, you know, trading Ubre and minutes open up that way or whatever. I, but I would just love for him to, to get that kind of wing score off the bench, you know, role. And just have him, you're the two off the bench, we're going to roll with it, Cody's going to play that three spot, he's going to do what he does, but you come in and just kind of microwave it for us, give us some scoring. Because I think that's his best role, ultimately, in the NBA. He didn't get a chance last year, I I guess Mitch was upset about that, he kind of revealed that at the presser after he let Borrego go. But I just, I feel like he can do that role, but it also feels like, too, he's got to grow up a little bit, you know, off the floor. Yeah, speaking of growing up and maturity, it, it it seems like the Hornets don't have a ton of those guys on the roster. The Hornets need more of those presence in the locker room. And I think one player that I do think of is, is Gordon Hayward. Do you think there's any chance that Hayward gets moved prior to the season? Because I do think that his importance to this team is even more heightened now that Miles Bridges, like that whole situation, he's obviously got to stay healthy for this to even be a conversation, but I'm still convinced that Hayward's value to this team is and was like undervalued when it comes to like on the court production. He's an efficient scorer on all three levels. He's he can play with the ball, he can play without the ball. He's been a relatively like good catch and shoot three point shooter. But if you need to turn to him in the half court, you can run a variety of things with him. I personally think the hassle of trying to trade Hayward in the return that you would get because of his lack of health, because of his contract would probably be less than ideal. So I would hate to have to attach like a first round pick to get off of Hayward. Uh, And I I still think like fans think that Hayward is signed for like another three or four years, five. Like they think that this guy is like never coming off the books. Like we got this year, next year with Hayward. Do you guys have any thoughts on that on whether or not Hayward should or could be moved prior to the beginning of the season? I, Here's the thing with with Hayward. You said, you know, he's underappreciated in some ways, right? And I I agree. Not only do fans seem to think he's locked in for the next 10 years, right, at 30 million per, (laughs) but I've seen way too many Nick Batum comparisons, man. It's like, you know, listen, I get it. They're not playing up to their contract value or they're not. You know, Hayward's is mostly because of injury, and I get it. We overpaid him. But, like, can we stop with the Batum stuff? Like, Batum got that money, and then gradually over the next couple of years – appeared to become so disinterested in doing anything that he did in that great year that he had, the 15-5-5 year to get his contract. He just got so passive, it was ridiculous. Gordon Hayward is still a real solid player when he's on the floor for us. The thing that gets me the most is like the time he's missed in these two seasons has been when you really need that veteran kind of settling force in the half court. Like it's been crunch time at the end of each of these two freaking seasons. It's like, and I hate to, you know, I'm almost bartering with the injury gods. Like if he's going to get hurt, could you take him out in the middle of the season? And like, we have him there in the big time games in the stretch run. So I just, I don't know what to think 
of, of, of him because of that. But it just feels like a hard – Brian, do you think – like when he has one year left on his deal, is that when we can unload him because then he's a, a big old expiring contract? Like it just feels like maybe that's the better option, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it in, in to, to both of y'all's point, like after the trade deadline this year, Gordon Hayward becomes effectively becomes an expiring contract. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like once you get beyond the deadline this year, I think it just changes up the trade, the trade package for him. It's like, if you were to move him between now in the deadline, it's because the team sees two years on the contract. They see two playoffs or two postseasons on the contract. He's healthy. He's playing well you're probably getting some value for him in return. You know what I mean? Because some team thinks this guy can, you know, he can score and, and, and pass and we can use him in a couple of different lineups. Like he can help us, you know, win in the postseason, et cetera. Um, I think if you, if, you know, if you're moving him a year from now or whatever, as an expiring contract, you know, it's almost like you're, you're putting that into someone's cap space or, you know what I mean? Or you're moving, you're moving numbers around and maybe you're having to like, get off something you know you're having to attach stuff to to get off of it it just it becomes such a weird value proposition with hayward because to to both y'all's point richie you said this like he's good like when he's healthy he's an objectively good offensive player um you know not you know not an all-star not a max contract that type of guy but scores from every level facilitates from every level so I, I don't know. I think like it's tough. He's it, he's tough to move now because it feels like he's like maybe at like the nadir of his value. I'd almost kind of like like to see him suit up for Charlotte this season to start. See how he plays. If he you know, you tra- you know we'll see what the health looks like. But if he could play well for a couple of months, let's say Charlotte's not in the playoff contention race come February, but Hayward's been healthy. He's playing well. You know, is that the kind of guy that that a contender might look at and say, like, hey, we're willing to to give you something for this guy? I think like that for me would be ideal, which is why it probably won't happen. So um no, my my thought my thought would be that like it's it's more or less like uh you know, at, at some point they're they're looking to just to just get off of it as opposed to maybe getting something in return for it. But we'll see, like they obviously need him next season because they they and this is I mean, this is why they're going to need James Booknight too. Like, they need other guys at the wing and the guard spots that can create. It can't just be all Lamelo. And um, and right now, this team still doesn't have like a backup point guard. So like, you're going to need guys like Hayward and Booknight and you know Rozier, who was like the de facto guy once they traded Ish last year. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe they'll they'll try to sign a backup one. But for right now, like those guys are going to be tasked with some of the backup point guard minutes and some of the secondary creation. So. Hayward's a very important player for them. And I guess my hope would be that they just find some way to boost his value. He plays well, he looks healthy, and they find some way to boost his value a little bit and then move him in some way, shape, or form. Mac actually is trying out for the backup point guard position this this weekend. So perfect. I like that. You look you hey, look man. ready, you know. I'm a bargain man. I will be a bargain <laughs> discount rate. There is no just like feed me, pay me in chicken wings and like pizza, and I'll be good to go. By the way, Richie, you did not tell me that I was working with someone that can use the word nadir like that, man. Like I did like that word. I don't even know if I said it right. That word that Brian just used T bone doesn't use that one on the Mac attack. I, you know what I mean? I don't need a thesaurus when bones talking to me. Yeah. He's he, he, when he's talking with his, uh, his dog after the show though, that's when he starts mixing in the, the, the 10 cent words and the, <laughs> the SAT words. He breaks out the, 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 uh, the thesaurus for those conversations. But, uh, <laughs> 
you know, last thing I would I would sort of as we're sort of like just touching on the the back end of the roster, Mac would be, you know, how do you see the Hornets right now? It looks like they have one roster spot to fill. Is do you think is there any chance they they look not just not just that they look for a backup guard in that role, but is there any chance if Kemba Walker is bought out? Do you see the band getting back together with Steve Clifford and Kemba Walker? I know this is a little we're having a little bit like this is. You know, we're we're kind of like we're all off off the deep end a little bit here. But do you think any chance uh, a return for Kemba in, in Charlotte? I feel like they could use. I could see them thinking over there. We could use kind of something that is actually puts a smile on someone's face. You know, in our fan base, and Kemba would do that for a lot of people. At the I, I kind of like the idea, y'all, but it's almost like you need then a third point guard in reserve because I just don't know physically. How many games Kemba can give you? I mean, I really like him and Clifford. We're always on the same page. I actually think Kemba could be a great influence as, uh, as kind of a mentor to LaMelo, too. Yep, you know? Yep, yep. it's just, Plus, it's just something fun. It's something that warms your heart a little bit when we have these cold, dark Hornets, Hornets fan hearts right now. <laughs> but I, I don't know, y'all. Like, how many games can he play with that knee? That's the only question there. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's impossible to know. I like it. Richie, you and I used to always talk about this on the pod with, with Spencer, like when Kemba was in Charlotte, but it was always like when, the, when the knee finally goes and cause and, I mean, he, he would get work on it frequently in the off season, even when he was still in the prime of his career, it was like, I, look, Kemba's one of my favorite players of all time, but it was like, when this guy loses half a step, what's it going to be? You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he's not, Big enough to create his, you know, he can't get his. Own, he needs the 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 speed and the the, the like the twitch to get his yeah. own shot. So, um, but yeah, like you, like again, I like I like the thought of him being a like a good veteran presence, being a guy that could, you know, sell someone like Lamelo on like the long term value of of being in Charlotte potentially. Um, so th- there's some interesting angles to it. I don't quite see it happening, but like I just think the connections are just like impossible to sort of ignore because there's a need at point guard. Um, and, and Kemba's a kick cliff is there and Kemba's yeah. a guy that could potentially uh, be probably not what they need in a lot of ways, but could potentially be, I guess, a guy there. Yeah, I think the story would be good. Yeah, like yeah. Max said, put a smile on someone's face. I think, uh, you know, he could be an extension of Steve Clifford on the sidelines in the locker room. I can see the benefit in that aspect of it. But uh, in terms of staying healthy and moving the needle on the court, uh, I'm not sure that that's going to be the way to go if you're picking up Kimba. But I, I do think the story would be pretty cool. All right, to end the episode here, Mac, we're going to do some rapid-fire questions. A couple of them are Hornets-related. A couple of them are just random topics, food, sports, unpopular opinions, just we need your thoughts. So we need you to be honest first off, but don't think too hard about these. Okay, you ready? I never think too hard. So you got, you got the right guy for this. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> All right, here it is. Baron Davis or Kimba Walker? Kimba. The one Hornets slash Bobcats player that you thought was going to turn out to be a great player or had high hopes for, but turned out to be a dud. Oh, crap. Noah Vonley is the first one that comes to mind. We, I was celebrating that dang trade, y'all. I thought we got extreme value, and I was all excited. Not only did Vonley not work out for us, and he's really just what he is in the league, but he also led us getting Nick Batum, which then gave me even more headaches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, we're, we're changing sports here very briefly. Mac, true or false, the BCS was is better than the college football playoffs. 
That's that's totally false. I th- are we forgetting how bad the BCS was? Plus, that was only two teams. At least now we get four teams in. But obviously, this is far from perfect. Yeah, it, and it's going to be. I mean, like it's going to be at least six before you can blink. Um, it will be. I guess what the current deal runs through twenty twenty six, and yeah, we'll see about that it, afterwards. It could have been twelve look, if the ACC and the Pac twelve had their thinking caps on. It could have been freaking twelve yeah, by now. Yeah. That, don't get me started. That's a that's a whole other story. And, that's another uh, podcast. I'm on the wrong podcast. When, when when we're doing the the thirty for thirty about the end of the ACC, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm there. doing that because I, because I won't have a job anymore. Yeah, we'll probably we'll probably have to like that was definitely like a, a hinge point for the league and, and one that looks awfully. Uh, short-sighted in in uh, looks short-sighted at the moment and looks especially uh, rough now six months later. But outside, or could, this could be sports-related too. But Mac, what is your guilty pleasure TV show? Fill in the blank there. Oh man, I have way too many. Look, my wife's looking over here to give me a list. She's got them too. I guarantee you that. I don't know. We actually watched season one of F Boy Island. I don't know if I should admit that publicly. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> no, no. My wife and I are watching it right now. Are you? Oh, and then I actually got excited when I saw season two's out. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so that one's it's it's the trashy reality TV shows that have hooked me in over the years. It's kind of embarrassing, you know. Big Brother, I still swear by Big Brother. I don't know if I should be guilty about that. I don't know. Wow, that's so funny. Those two shows, my wife and I are currently watching. So uh, don't don't feel too guilty about that. All right, so. good. I feel better now. All right, ranch or blue cheese? Blue cheese all the way. Yes, love it, love it. All right. Fill in the blank. Blank is the best Panther of all time. Luke Keekly. Luke Keekly will go down ranked higher, in my opinion, by the experts at his position all time than any other Panther. And I say this with apologies to Smitty and Julius Peppers, but I would go Luke. The, the Panthers Mount Rushmore starting to fill up pretty nicely. Uh, honestly, with, with some of these, with some of the names you just mentioned there and, yeah, I mentioned Luke Keekley, or I miss Luke Keekley. I should say it feels like a guy we should have gotten to see play for a lot longer. But um, you know, the guy didn't. I mean, just the way he played, it just uh, you know, I don't know. He was always just involved in collisions. And uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm happy to see him like healthy, living life out, outside of the game. Yes, I, mean, I guess still in the game, but not not playing it now. Yes, right. way, make room on that Mount Rushmore for Baker. All right, y'all, just make room. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll hold you to that one. Uh, when uh, when he when he throws when he throws when he has a three interception game in in week two, we're gonna we'll circle back to. No, I think I think uh, I'm intrigued by the by the move. I mean, we'll we'll see. But all right, here we go. I have an opinion on this one. But is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no? I feel like a hot dog's a hot dog. Like I feel like it's know. its own area, you know, of cuisine. I agree. Is that I agree. fair? I agree. Uh, I no, I think that I think that's the right answer, actually. All right, here we go. Another rapid fire. True or false? Red Sox Yankees is a better rivalry than UNC Duke men's basketball. Man, false. First of all, I'm the wrong guy to ask the question because I, you know, I've lived in North Carolina for so long. I swear by the rivalry. I'm like, I'm like the only loon that claims to root for both teams. So I, I'm just, I'm messed up. <laughs> but I also, as a bitter Orioles fan, hate both the Red Sox and the Yankees. So, like, even if I honestly thought Yankees Red Sox was better, I probably will not admit it. All right. Well, then let me let me ask you a follow up here. Then, true or false? The your Orioles will make the playoffs in twenty twenty two. 
I want to say true so badly. I'm so pumped up to be 500 at the All-Star break is a dream come true. This was a slow if, – if we think the Hornets rebuild has been slow, I'm telling you the Orioles were crawling on their rebuild. And it's finally it, – it's proof that rebuilds can work. I'm going to play conservative and say they don't make it this year. But next year I will be all over the Orioles postseason bandwagon next year. Yeah, they've got they've got too many teams to pass. We'll see. It, it's a good story. Uh, the AL East is insane. It's an insane division. Yeah. Yeah, a transfer. Yeah. Can, can we transfer? Can we have con- uh, division realignment in Major League Baseball? Get us the hell out of there. God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we got three more. Three more for you. Right. Uh, pancakes or waffles? French toast. I agree. I would go. I would go pancakes over waffles, but French toast Ooh. is the daddy of all three. No. No, I would, I would say I would say French toast, then waffles, then pancakes. I'm just not a pancakes fan. I don't know. Over under, over under here, Mac. Gordon Hayward, fifty and a half games played, which would be more than last year. I would say, I don't know, over, but it's probably close to that. I I feel like you got to mark them down for about twenty five or so. Out, right? You know, un- right. unfortunately, yeah. I'll go over. What the heck? I'll, I'll try to be optimistic. It's such a, it's such a, it's like seemingly such a reasonable bar to clear, but the confidence is just so low in it. It does make me kind of think that like, if they're going to try to like have Gordon play October through April basketball, that they've just got to like budget some more rest for him. Like it is kind of nuts that there's not, there hasn't been like a a load, you know, laugh about the term if you want, but like there hasn't been like a load management program for Gordon even last season or the year before that, you know what I mean? Like they've just, it's just been like, he's healthy to play. Then he plays, you know? And so I I just, I don't know. My hope would be. And so if that's the case, then, then yeah, my guess would be under as, as well, but all right, last question here. And then we'll get you out of here. As of today, what percentage do you put on the Hornets making the playoffs, not the play in the playoffs. So they got to be one through eight in the playoffs for the upcoming season. This one I can't be as confident on. All right, I try. I gave you the Hayward. I gave you the Hayward plays fifty-one games. I gave you that one, and many people listening will be oh, thinking I'm an idiot for that. I just can't do it. Like, there's just the uncertainty with the Bridges situation. There's also an uncertainty, too, fellas, of like, are they even going to try? Like Mitch told us at the end of the season, right? This this should be a playoff team, right? It, but yeah. are they going to? Tr- are they even? Are they going to alter kind of their? you know, pace here? Are they going to almost hit the pause button for a year? I just, because there's so many unknowns here and because it almost appears that Mitch does not even know free agency started, I'm going to go no playoffs, unfortunately. Mitch's phone is still, has only been turned on. I do love that he's the one GM. Like every other team is tampering and Mitch is the one guy that's just like, yeah, waits until, yeah, midnight on July 1st or whatever to turn turn the old phone on actually. But um, yeah, I actually kind of think they, they should, uh, I kind of actually think like a mini reset this year would be good for them, especially considering the how loaded the 2023 draft looks and the Hornets on paper are at least set up to have two first round picks, albeit one, Probably not a great one uh, via the uh, the Denver Nuggets. So, um, Richie, do you want to close us out here today? Yeah, let's go ahead and close this out. We, we appreciate everyone for joining us here on the podcast. Mac, uh, thank you for your time, and uh, we'll definitely speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.